when you're doing something all the time and customers are on your back, when is this done? When is this getting done? It, it kind of makes you like, man, I just want to just relax and just forget it. But when you keep that passion, hey, you're going to go far. And that's how I, I handle my business. That's the voice of Mark Robertson, owner of Mark the Builder. And I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is software to organize and manage your business. From quoting a project to getting paid to everything in between, Jobber software brings everything together to make projects easy to manage and customers happy, giving you more time in your day and getting you paid faster. Go to getjobber.com Ethan or check out the link in the show notes for a free 14-day trial of Jobber. And if you try it now, you get 20% off your first six months when you sign up. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. Today I sit down with Mark Robertson, owner of the Texas-based furniture company, Mark the Builder. We could be talking with Mark just about his successful furniture company. We could do a whole episode on it, how he's booked out for months, how he keeps his customer satisfaction high, how he is so in demand that he has to turn away business. But that would be leaving out a big part of Mark's day-to-day because he not only runs a full-time furniture company, he also has a completely different full-time job that he works at as well. A lot of people on the show have talked about how important it is to keep a full-time job as you're getting your company up and running, and Mark's doing just that. So I want to sit down with Mark and talk to him to give you a look at what something like that is like. Follow along as we talk about juggling two full-time jobs, dealing with clients' expectations, being a black-owned furniture business, and how he grew his company his way. But before we get into all that, let's take it back to the beginning and learn how Mark got into furniture in the first place. So when I first bought my house, I was like, okay, I bought my house. Now what I'm going to do, I started, I didn't want to spend money buying furniture. So I just started making my own. And then my friends started seeing it. So they was like, oh, can you make this? Can you make that? Sure. And then it came from there to word of mouth to social media. And it just blew up into this animal that it is today. And I felt like I had a little cheat code because when I was in high school, my grandfather and I, we built the house from the ground up. We did everything from the plumbing, the electrical, uh, sheetrock, the shingles on the roof. So I knew how to do it, but I went the route of going through college and playing basketball, full scholarship playing basketball. So once I got my house, it was like, all right, here's my time. I just started buying tools and started making stuff. I've talked to a lot of people on this show who have furniture companies say, hold on to that full-time job for as long as you can before you make the jump. You are actually working full-time at a job and also working full-time as a furniture maker. Your job gives you the flexibility even before working from home was a thing that you could work from home. So you're running both jobs at the same time. How hard is that? And how are you enjoying it? I enjoy it. It's difficult at times, but I'm a great scheduler. Um, When you have a great schedule and manage your your availability, it makes it a little easier. So I streamline all my stuff. So I have every automation product you could possibly think of for how clients set up meetings for me. So it all integrates with 
my main job. So my main job is priority. And then my woodworking is secondary. So, and my clients all know this and I'm very transparent about this, but it, it gives me that flexibility and it doesn't allow me to get overwhelmed with woodworking and lose the passion that I have for woodworking. You're working as a full-time woodworker. Yes, the other job is going on, but you're working as a full-time woodworker. So let's talk about that. How are you going about getting your clients? When you started, you had the skills, but you didn't have the client base. How did you build up your clients to become successful? Uh, word of mouth is huge. And I've been leveraging the, the social media platform and that, that's been very good to me. So word of mouth is the best. And when you're producing a great quality product, word's gonna get out and everyone's gonna want your work. And that's the, the issue I'm having. Well, it's not an issue. That's what I'm having right now where I'm booked out for at least a month and a half, two months, well, no, almost three months right now. And it's amazing to even be in that position to be booked out that long. That feeling is great because you know there's money coming into your pocket, but it's also a, a stressful situation. And again, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but you are running two full-time jobs. How are you dealing with the stress of timelines and dealing with clients and everything that comes with running a full-time woodworking business while you're also running another job? Uh, being upfront with your, your customers is a great way. So with me actually telling them this is not my full time um, and they respect my time. So most people that get a Mark the Builder piece, they're not, they're investing in me. They, they can go anywhere and get this product made, but they just want to invest in Mark the Builder. And I love my, my fan base, my followers for just wanting to say, oh, we have a Mark the Builder piece. And that's one thing that I try to um, push my brand as you're not, I'm not going to create a lot of products, but the ones that I do are really good. Building a brand is something that we talk a lot about on this show. How have you been going about it? How do you build that brand so people know that not only your furniture is good, but also that you're reliable and that they can share your information with a friend if they need something built. I think when you present your business as something that is not a necessity, but they need to have it, people will really just want to back you just and support you because you believe in yourself. And that's something I do. I believe in myself wholeheartedly where People just want to support Mark the Builder, not so much just be, they know I make a good product, but they just support Mark the Builder, the personality, the person, the family man. It, it's all wrapped in one where people get pieces from me and know like I invested in someone who is deserving of it. From what I'm hearing, you are very much putting yourself in the business. It's not just furniture. You're not just batching it out and, and sending it out there. It is something that you are investing your whole being in and you stand behind each and every one of those pieces. When, when a company gets personal like that, there's a lot of back and forth with a client. Talk a little bit about 
your experience when a client contacts you and, and you decide that it's a project that you want to take on. Talk a little bit about that first conversation and how the project continues to form until a finished piece. Um, yes, I try to keep my clients involved in every process of it, from the sketch and design to when I'm working on it. And they also, they're not just getting a piece of furniture. They're getting a service in the sense that it's, you're not just going for the table. It's you're knowing that when you get that table, you're going to get a video with that table. And when you get that video at the table, it's more so a talking piece. When you have guests over, it's like, oh, I got this piece. Oh, that's a nice table. Mark the Builder made it. Oh, I can show you the video in the process he took to make this. It, it forms a better appreciation of your work and not just, oh, yeah, I ordered, I ordered this table online. I, I don't know who made it. I, it's this one. You know who made it. You know when he picked up the wood. You, you know what colors he used, what were his struggles with making it you get a full detail piece. And that's something that's bigger than just going to a box store or not having a relationship with your, your clients. And that's one thing my clients don't just get a piece, they get a piece of marketability. With this very upfront personal relationship you have with your clients, have you ever had any any issues, any any pushback with how you're building something or anyone who's not satisfied because clients change their minds and, and they might ask you to build something else. How are you dealing with that? Do you have contracts in place or is it just being as open as possible with the client and you change with their whims? I do have a contract in place with every invoice. You, you get a full detailed contract, but I've been blessed in a situation where my clients, I haven't had any clients say, oh, I don't like this. Or I want this change. My clients work with me and I work with them. It's more, like I said, it's a relationship. You're not just having someone trying to push out as much product as they possibly can. My, my goal is to not be uh, a person that's just going to make tables and not have that um, connection with my customer. It's more so uh, a cater to my customer. Now, with the contracts, can you talk a little bit about what you have in there? Because contracts are an incredibly hard thing for a furniture maker because it is a physical product that you are putting out there and it changes with being used. What type of contracts do you have and, and what's in them? Ooh, this, it's, um, <laughs> it's very detailed because I try to cover all angles and every day you add something new to your contract. Someone complain about, oh, the stain color is not matching perfectly. Then you got to understand in my contract, I, if there's something, each wood takes stain differently. So it's nothing that I can do. It's not a fault to me and it's in the contract. Um, also, whereas though a chair, your chair breaks, you got to put some type of place on it where they don't just Oh, you built a, a faulty chair and it's no, it's probably a little too heavy for it. <laughs> or it's uh overwearing tear, just like any other thing. It, it'll break. It, it's not bad quality. It's just over time. Um, but like I said, I haven't had that issue with anything breaking. I haven't had an issue with customers coming back and 
saying, oh, I don't like this. This is not working. Um, I, it's, it's been working for me so far. Let me knock on wood. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not too hard because if you break it, it's probably in the contract and you can't return it. <laughs> so, and that's also where, when you use good quality materials, great tools, you produce a great product that you can just say, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of every piece that leaves my shop knowing that it's, it's the best and it's, it's going to stand the test of time. Talking about great quality materials and great quality tools, that comes with a price, uh, a price to you and a price that you need to pass on to your customer. Let's talk about pricing for a little bit and how, one, you go about pricing your pieces and number two, how you have that initial conversation with a client and talk to them about what their piece is going to cost. Pricing is always hard, no matter what, because you don't want to overcharge, you don't want to undercharge. And with the standard and the cost of wood going up right now, it's it's making it difficult to not make these prices a little higher because it's the overhead is a lot higher. And um, yeah, my, my pricing is, that's a difficult question. That's, that's, that's a really difficult question on pricing because yeah, I tried it. And like I say, this is not my full-time job. So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to price where as though my family needs this to put food on the table. So it's more so priced as, all right, I want to buy a new tool. So let me start pricing this and then put the tool price in the cost of the product so I can get a new tool. And you know how some people are addicted to shoes or addicted to clothes? I truly enjoy buying tools. Using that money to buy tools is great and all, but what I see as even better is using these jobs to build a better understanding of your company, of how you're gonna build your company to be as successful as it can be, and being able to build it without the pressure of it being your sole source of income. That's the beauty of working at another job, but eventually putting all your energy into both jobs really probably isn't sustainable. Doing both is going to limit your growth for each. What is your plan to move into woodworking as your one and only full-time job? So my plan to do woodworking as a full-time job, I want to be able to take retirement from my full-time job in order to do woodworking full-time. And with me doing it the way I'm doing it now, I'm able to invest in the top of the line tools. I'm able to invest in my business. So when it's time for me to retire from my main job, it'll be a very easy transition because I already have an established business. Exactly. You're building up your client base, you're building up your tool base, you're building up your skills, and you're learning what it takes to have a successful furniture company. Over the last couple of years that you've been doing it, how has your pricing changed as you've learned more? Oh, it's definitely increasing, but it's increasing because I have way more experience. I understand um, what my worth is. I know what my worth is. So it's increasing, but it's not to the point where I'm charging someone $10,000 for a table. It's, I'm not there yet. Worth is a big 
thing that I like to talk about on this show as well. Your your worth as a furniture maker, your worth as somebody who's building things with their hands. And it's a hard thing for people to to get over. I'm just building to build and I'm just and then going into I'm building because my furniture is worth the price that I'm charging, the time that it's taking me to build. How did you grow your confidence over the years to be able to start increasing your prices and to be able to have that conversation with clients where this is going to take longer than you might have thought, or this is going to cost more than you thought, and you just have to deal with it because that's what it costs to work with? Um, I feel like I always had that confidence, and the reason being is because I could stop woodworking at any moment. I could stop taking customers at any moment, and it will not affect my family. My family will still be taken care of. Um, so when you have that that crutch, that that backing, it's almost it allows you to be a little more confident in your work as well as how you present yourself. Um, and it's it's been working, and I, I tend to keep it going. You mentioned in the beginning that. Besides word of mouth, social media has been a very big platform for you to grow your business. Let's talk a little bit about how you've grown on social media, how it has been influencing your client base, and how you want to grow that as well. Yes, um, social media is a huge platform, and it helps in many ways of getting your brand out there, as well as companies knowing your brand and wanting to help support your brand. And that comes with sponsorships and uh, influencing opportunities, which I guess, well, which I'm a part of and I receive. I have a few sponsors that are very generous to support Mark the Builder. Are you curating your Instagram, your social media to clients to get more clients or are you curating it to other builders and clients are an offshoot of that? Um, it's a mixture of both. It's, it's more so people getting people to, some people want to enjoy watching me build things. Some people want tips on how to build things. Some people just want something built. And I try to cater to all three of those audiences, whereas though you can see me make a table, you can see what tools I use to make a table, and hey, you got a talking point when you buy a table that, oh, this person made my table and here's a video of my table being built. I, some people actually message me and say, watching you build is just relaxing for me. And I, that was a very uh, generous message and it kind of inspired me and made me feel good about myself. And that's, I enjoy things like that. Whenever social media can make people feel good about themselves and not make them feel terrible about themselves, that's that's always uh, that's always something to toast about. Something that I, I really want to bring up is the whole buy black movement that's going on, and I support it and I'm so happy about it. But one thing I want to bring to light is I don't want people to buy something from Mark the Builder just because I'm black. I want people to buy something from Mark the Builder because I make dope things. I have a, a great personality. 
Um, and I just happen to be black. And that's just the, the cherry on top is me being black. Cause it's kind of, it kind of make you feel like, oh, is this person only support me because I'm black? No, I, I make great stuff. That's first and foremost. It's no secret that minorities are underrepresented in the woodworking world, in the furniture world. When you look at woodworking, you see a lot of the same types of faces, a lot of older white men with beards. And that is what it's been for a very long time. What is your take on this much needed push to diversify the woodworking industry? The struggles on even just growing my fan base on the black owned business, because a lot of black people are not in the woodworking. And that's one thing I want to show them that, hey, this is an avenue, this is a lane where you can enjoy yourself woodworking. It could be a perfect hobby if you, if you sit at home doing nothing. Um, that's how it came about with me. I, I hate sitting at home doing nothing. So I decided to pick up woodworking and it just happened to turn into a, a very lucrative business. And hey, it's something that I do with my kids, my, my son, I love working with me and it's amazing. What's some advice that you could give to people who are passionate about woodworking? Passionate like you were when you started out and you started to grow your business. Advice that you could give to people who want to jump into this and don't know where to start or who are already in this, but they're feeling overwhelmed. For those people who are in woodworking and feeling overwhelmed, stay strong. Do not lose your passion. Do not let an overbearing customer make you lose your passion for something you really love. And that's one thing that I try to, and my, my wife helps me out a lot with this. She tries not to let me be overworked where I'm not into woodworking anymore. It's like when you're doing something all the time and customers are on your back, when is this done? When is this getting done? It, it kind of makes you like, man, I just want to just relax and just forget it. But when you keep that passion, hey, you're going to go far. And that's how I, I handle my business. I try not to allow customers, the overbearing ones, to annoy me to the point where I'm losing my passion or I'm getting frustrated or me allowing a product I am not proud of to leave my shop because the customer needs it yesterday. That's, that's something that comes with getting custom woodwork. It's the truth. And it is an envious position that you have with balance between the woodworking and the customer satisfaction. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. I, I really do appreciate your time and the knowledge that you've shared with the community. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward in your business. Well, you inspired me, Ethan, and I just want you to know that. And thank you for even asking to talk to me. Oh, of course, man. I, I respect what you do. I respect your hustle. I respect what you're building over there. And I, I wish you all the best of luck in the future. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit 
buildingafurniturebrand.com. And feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at thebuildwithethan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.